What is up, people? This is EJ Stewart. You're listening to New Generation Hero Talk. This is a big episode. This is our Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania review show. We'll be getting into the nitty-gritty of this latest installment in the Marvel Studios franchise. Of course, this is the first movie of Phase 5. It has been a polarizing figure for many people or polarized movie for many people a lot of people have talked about how much they did not like this movie there's some people who have defended this film this should be a good conversation because i have not had any any insight onto what my guys think about this movie i have made my points clear on social media how i feel about the film but i'm very curious what my guys gotta say of course this movie starring uh paul rudd and um and 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 the whole crew evangeline lily of course as as uh as the wasp and jonathan majors making his debut as kang so uh, very important things happening in this movie, but what do we think? Did Marvel land the plane on this one? Let's get to it. So joining me are my co-hosts, starting with Shamari Stewart. Sham, what's up, man? What is up, EJ? Uh, so the time is, is finally here. Um, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania finally came out. I feel like we've been... There's another one. Uh, I feel like we say this with every Marvel movie, but I feel like we've been talking about this movie for... Uh, forever since it was announced way back when um, during that I don't even remember what it was with D23 or Comic Con or whatever it was announced but <laughs> yeah um, I think the first one wasn't it that like Disney Investor Day I think I want to say was it Investor Day might have been I do Maybe believe it was. it was yes yeah okay yeah so an Investor Day um, yeah yeah it's been a long time coming but finally here and um, looking forward to talking about it yeah, it should be a good conversation. It has been a long time coming, and again, the beginning of Phase 5 here, so uh, major developments happening. Kendall joins us on the podcast as well. Kendall, how excited are you to have this conversation about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? Uh, yeah, uh, glad to be here. Uh, this is going to be an exciting conversation. Um, you know, this is a movie that, uh, like you said, it's been, been, a, been a long time coming. Uh, we've talked about it uh, for for years now, not really knowing what we were getting with it. Um, it's at forty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, just above Eternals is forty seven for the lowest in Marvel Studios history. Uh, I'm interested to see if we all agree that it belongs near or potentially at the bottom of the Marvel Marvel Studios barrel. Uh, or if we think that's harsh, but uh, I know you guys didn't necessarily agree that Eternals was at the bottom of the barrel. So, you know, that's, you know, if that's any indication, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, the audience score is at 84% for full disclosure. So get that 84% for full disclosure. So there's plenty, plenty of talking points. Uh, and we also got the debut of Johnson Majors as Kang, not the debut. Well, the debut of him as Kang the Conqueror. Right. Like, exactly. The debut of him in the Marvel Studios and the MCU, but the, if you have him as King the Conqueror, we'll be seeing, seeing plenty more of John's Majors uh, later this year and, uh, you know, in future Marvel projects to come. Yes, those of those who uh, watch the post credit scene of this movie will uh, be happy to see some of the connections we saw to the Disney Plus Marvel uh, Studios situation. So, again, this is a uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania Review. This is a spoiler conversation. Spoiler. Yes, yes. Spoilers. So, so which means that <laughs> we will be going in-depth about the plot. We'll be talking with no kind of barriers, nothing holding us back from talking about details of this film and where the MCU will be moving on from here. So if you have not seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, 
uh, Quantumania, and you do not want to get spoiled. We love you, and thank you for listening to us for the first four minutes of this podcast. But might be an episode that you might want to come back to once you actually have seen this movie. And this episode ain't going nowhere. It's going to be up here, right, where you uh, where you found us and on all uh, streaming platforms uh, at the New Generation Podcast Network page. So we'll still be here. So if you're all good with having an Ant-Man conversation happen and uh, you've seen it, then great. If you've not seen it, you don't want to be spoiled, maybe come back. If you haven't seen it but you want to listen to us, because maybe that's what actually inform. If you do want to watch it, because I've been, I, I you know, since I met my girlfriend, which was, you know, about, you know, six years ago from now, uh, I've learned that a lot of people actually like spoilers and that actually informs whether or not they want to go see movies or want to go watch TV shows. So some people may want to listen to this conversation and, uh, and, and have that inform their opinion of whether or not they actually want to see this. So if you want to do that, then sit back, relax, uh, and and hopefully we'll give you guys a a, a, a responsible and a a, a quality in, input on in terms of where this movie went. But otherwise, that's our spoiler our warning here, and let's get right to it. So Ant Man the Wasp again, directed by Peyton Reed. This movie, Quantum Mania, the third movie in the Ant Man franchise. This one. Uh, starring Paul Rudd, starring Evangeline Lilly, um, uh, Michael Douglas, um, Michelle Pfeiffer. They all return. You have Jonathan Majors coming in as Kang the Conqueror in this film. Uh, Catherine Newton joins this cast as well. She is playing a character that uh, actually we've already seen before in Cassie Lang. They recast this character from the character that we saw or the actress that we saw from um, Endgame, who was a totally different uh, actress so some people didn't really like that and how that went down but this is Catherine Newton's also her debut in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe and I gotta say I think that the hatred for this movie is grossly overblown do I think that this is a top line Marvel Studios movie do I think this is one of the best Marvel Studios movies absolutely not but what I will say is this movie had a lot of elements in it that I really liked. And then when I, when I juxtapose that with what I didn't like and what didn't work, I just feel like for me, some of the some of the, the, the things that are being is being dinged for, I think people are, are judging it a little harshly. Things I liked. Uh Kane the Conqueror, Jonathan Majors, outstanding. Outstanding. Um already comes in as one of the probably the best castings Marvel has had since its iteration. Uh, with the first Iron Man movie, he is a force in this film. Every scene he's in, he uh, he takes your breath away. Um, he he he's a force. In some ways, this feels like a Kang the Conqueror movie, and his performance is awesome. The excitement for him moving forward with his character is palpable for good reason, and it's because of what he did in this film. So, John Majors Kang, great. Um, I really like the Star Wars feel of this movie. Like this film essentially takes our characters into the quantum realm, a realm that we didn't know much about other than uh, the, the small clips we saw from Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, her um, her Janet Van Dyne character who was rescued from the quantum realm. Now we kind of see, was she really rescued or did she really have to be rescued is another conversation now. But nonetheless, we learn more about this quantum realm and we see that it's like a, it's really a world in itself. And it's a world that is lush with, um, you know, colors and cantinas, and uh, there's some 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 f- colorful characters that live down there. Uh, uh, now, I'm waiting to see R two. <laughs> yeah, that definitely, definitely, the Star Wars feels are definitely there. Now, of course, um, it is a world. At least this section of the quantum realm, 
that is run by Kane the Conqueror, so uh, not necessarily, you know, the most progressive place, but um, not just, like, desolate, like, kind of, like, you know, desert that kind of, it was kind of described as of nothingness, the way, you know, um, with the way Hank Pym has described it, the way Scott Lang has described it, the way other people have described it, it's not that. It's, it's, it's a lot more to it, as we've learned. I loved everything about this. I thought Bill Murray coming in as Lord uh, Kylar, I loved his scene. I thought they Kylar. I thought he was great. So that aspect was there. I also thought I expected to, and there were some aspects about the Cassie Lane dialogue that could have been better, but I actually really did like kind of how they set up kind of where Scott is in his life and how that juxtaposed to not just the people around him in terms of how they view what he's doing and where they're going, but also his daughter. So we learned that Cassie Lang is a little bit of like a, um, uh, <laughs> for lack of a better term, she's almost kind of like a little bit of an SJW, you know? Like she, you know, we see her, she's getting arrested because she's in some protests and she's very much into like uh, fighting for causes and fighting for the little guy. And uh, she she looks at her dad and says, hey, like you have all this power, you've done all this great work and after you saved the world during Endgame, what have you really done? We see Scott Lang is kind of living the, the luxury life, living the... A celebrity life he, he loves going to the red carpets um he's doing the book readings you know we've seen the podcast again some things we kind of were hinted at during the other disney plus shows uh miss marvel did a really good job of kind of hinting at where uh, scott lane's character went but kind of juxtaposing that with cassie and 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 where she sees the world and also some of the apple not falling too far from the tree aspect i think that was an important parallel to draw because remember, I like I actually went to watch. I told you guys I fell asleep halfway through, but I did watch some of Ant Man one, and I kind of forgot that Scott Lane's character, like the heist that he were doing, oftentimes was like him like robbing from the rich and like giving to the poor. Like it wasn't like oh I'm just robbing guys because I want money. Like he had a little bit of like a Robin Hood complex to him. So like for his daughter to have that complex as well, but then also look at her father and saying like what happened to you and like why aren't you doing more and him kind of like, having to look himself in the mirror. I thought that that was a story that made sense. So I think there are a lot of good themes in here. There's something that don't work. Um, I think Modoc, for the most part, doesn't work. I think some of the haze has been a little over the top because Modoc is a weird character and like some of this stuff has to be goofy and has to be weird. I do think that you know the the, the way they kind of did the CGI for his face for that character cross from the first Ant Man movie didn't really work. Um, I wasn't crazy about like the last act and how how they they how they kind of how the, the character motivations for his last act, I don't think really made much sense. So I really wasn't crazy about that either. Um, and, and overall, it's, it's, it is a CGI fest. There's a lot of uh, Atlanta swept shop stuff happening here that you, some part of me wishes, hey, like if you even just did half of this stuff, maybe this wouldn't look so much like a, you know, a spy kids movie. There's some CGI moments that look great where it's like I think that uh, some of the beef that people have had have been a little overblown. But um, but so so there are some things that didn't necessarily work. But and I think that the last act I would have made some key different decisions than they made in terms of how it ended, which we'll talk about on this episode. On this episode, but all in all, it was a fun movie. Um, I saw some people say that the comedy didn't hit for them. I thought that most of this movie was really funny, maybe with the exception of some of the jokes they tried to land on the last uh, in the last act. Uh, so I thought it was a funny movie. I thought it was engaging. I think that where the story is going, I thought it was um important. Because now we kind of really establish Kang as this guy who's going to be a force for the next few movies. So I liked it. I like this movie. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's a masterpiece, but I thought it was pretty solid. So I think that some of this hate's been overblown. Shamari, what did you think of Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania? 
So it looks like uh, uh, looks like what what was I say that phrase that the Rock said the power in the, the Marvel universe is shifted or or what was it? Yeah, the the hierarchy of power. Yeah, the hierarchy the hierarchy of power in the Marvel <laughs> in, universe. In the Marvel universe is about to shift. Right? It's that's, about that's... to shift. It looks like it's it, it it looks like it is about to shift with with uh, uh, with Kang the Conqueror. Um, yeah, I thought this was. I, I mean, I mean, honestly, I largely agree with you, EJ. Um, I thought this was a solid movie. I didn't think it was like amazing. I also did not think it was bad or or like a or like a mediocre movie. No, abso- absolutely not. I I enjoyed watching this movie. Um, you know, is it perfect? No. Did I have some issues with it? Yes, mostly with some of the. Some of the comedy they tried to do, the things they tried to do with Modoc, he just largely just didn't work, and and it's and that that wasn't totally unexpected either. Um, you know, it wasn't even a situation where it was like, oh man, Modoc. And he, I remember when, when Modoc was announced. I mean, it wasn't particularly as I'm say, he's a floating head. You know, I I'm just not a Modoc guy. I guess as Modoc people are out there, but yeah, like it's just so that just it didn't kind of work from the start and. I mean, they went for it. It was he was a big, it's a big giant face, you know. That's that's what he looks like, you know. It's kind of hard to make that look good, quote unquote, you know. But it just, you know, it just didn't work. And then some of the comedy they tried to do at the end, towards the end, was, I mean, it was fine, but it just was more. It was like it was like cringe humor, like that was like meant to make you cringe, and it's like I don't know if that's what I want to see going into Marvel movies, but, um, but yeah, it was overall I enjoyed it. I thought Paul Rudd was great. I thought I thought I thought um, Evangeline Lilly was great. I thought, um, you know, I liked uh, you know Hank Pym, uh, Janet Van Dyne, and Michelle Pfeiffer. I thought they were all, I thought they were all really good. And of course, um, and of course, um, uh, Kang was fantastic. Um, and I I really can't wait to see more of him. That's going to be very entertaining. I am very much looking forward to seeing more of him later in more of the movies and in the TV shows. We know he's coming up in Loki, um, as I'm sure we'll talk about as well. Um, overall, I enjoyed it. I, I think this is another one where me and the critics, just for whatever reason, it, it, it seems a lot of the times we just do not see eye to eye. We certainly don't see eye to eye with this. Don't see eye to eye with Eternals either. It's getting to the point where it's like I, I don't know if the critics, what you know, it's like why am I listening? Even why am I even looking at the critics? You know, we just we just don't. They just like movies that I don't like, and I don't like movies that they like. So it's yeah, it's it's uh, it's very interesting. But um, but yeah, this this was not a bad movie. This was at this I think overall was a win for Marvel personally, and definitely a step in the right direction. Okay. Very interesting because, you know, of course, it's been a polarizing movie and Sham has been the most critical on this podcast of the direction of the MCU. So Sham saying that this uh, he has said, quote, uh, Marvel hasn't been hitting. That's <laughs> what he said in the last yes. episode. So Shamari to say this is a step in the right direction for Marvel. Very interesting. So let's uh, round it out with Kendall with our initial thoughts. What did you think of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? Man. You guys set the bar pretty high. I mean, uh, I I don't know if I'm going to be the Grinch here. Uh, Ooh, here we go. I don't, I don't yeah, I don't spice some things up. You know, we know we can't have a review if we all agree. Um, I look, I don't think I hated the movie. I I you know I prefaced the the 
when we started this asking the question, is the Rotten Tomatoes score a little harsh? Obviously, that's just an aggregation of a mm-hmm. bunch of reviews out there. But just if we're just looking at it at face value, I don't think that this is the second worst or the worst Marvel studio film that's ever been made. Uh, I think a 47 seems harsh. My interpretation, I agree with you guys in the sense that I do believe that the reviews out there have been harsh. I think that um, I think Marvel being graded on a curve, they've just been graded on a scale that is different from what it used to be. Uh, I don't know what that a pro- I don't know what that's a product of. I don't know if they've set the bar too high mm. from where they were. I don't know if uh, it's the superhero fatigue and they're just be give- they're being given less breaks. People are just don't have time for more of the same or whatever. But I just I don't see this movie as that far away from some of these other Marvel movies that have been okay but not great. Like you know, like Guardians Two, for example, right. isn't like uh, a masterpiece. Um, I don't know for a fact. I you know I don't I have to rewatch that movie, but like I can't really say I feel that much differently about this movie than when I, than after I saw Guardians Two. I didn't love it, but. You know, and I I don't say I love this movie, but I don't think it's terrible. So, generally speaking, I think that the reviews have been harsh. Um, I think that uh, I think this is a movie that I agree that I liked Kang. Um, you know, I, I I was harsh on the Catherine Newton recast of Cassie Lane, more from just a human aspect of it. You know. You know, not telling, <laughs> not telling uh, the, the the previous actress. You know that uh, she was being recast. Uh, Emma Furman, not telling Emma Furman she was being recast. Um, you know, until it was announced on, on <laughs> that Disney Investor Day, uh, and just like the idea that like she couldn't play the role, but like Catherine Newton, I thought did a really good job. You know, and I could see why they probably felt like people aren't gonna remember you know like she had such a small role in in uh avengers endgame that you know they probably felt we could probably get away with it and you know if the actress is good enough which i think you did a really good job that people won't remember the recast and they're not going to care uh and i think largely they were right so i'll give marvel the credit i still think they should have handled it a little better uh but uh just from uh but but from a from a decision making standpoint, I don't think that it was the wrong decision necessarily. Um, I thought she was good. Uh, I agree. I thought Jonathan Majors was really good. I think, um, you know, some of the Kang booking, you know, as EJ likes to call, it, from a wrestling mm-hmm. standpoint, was wasn't. I don't know if it was all perfect, um, and that's always what you're going to run into when you are dealing with such a strong character going up against, you know, Ant-Man, you know, like they know they knew what they were getting themselves into. I think they were very intentional about the, the decisions they made. So I'm not going to kill them about it. But, you know, I, I think I'm just interested to see how do they, like, how do they continue the character and not, like, make him still like the the, the big bad, you know, wolf out there, you know? Uh, I think we know he's super powerful. Um, so it's not like I'm gonna like not believe it, but I'm. I guess you're just gonna ask yourself, like, you know, I mean, if 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 they could cobble together some things, then you know, I feel like the Avengers should figure something out. You know, so I think that'll be the that'll be the question uh, that I think they'll have to answer. Um, 
but overall, I don't know. I just felt like this was a movie that was just okay. Like, uh, I, again, I, I didn't hate it, but it just felt like when we talked about like that Marvel, that sh- the Schneid that Marvel's on, you know, yeah. I don't know if this is the movie that gets them out of it necessarily. I think that this is just this is this is the wrongly timed movie. It's a poorly placed movie um, for what Marvel needed. Uh, I think Guardians. Three is a poorly placed movie for what Marvel needs. I think the Marvels, which obviously ended up getting pushed back, is a poorly placed movie in the Marvel calendar. Like I, you know, like they need a they need a slam dunk. And none of the, I mean, maybe maybe one of these movies will surprise me. I'm not going to throw that out of the out of the out of the equation. But like Ant Man wasn't, from what I saw, like wasn't that. It obviously wasn't that from a you know resp- or, uh, you know response standpoint mm-hmm. um a reception standpoint it wasn't the slam dunk but um so, but i think that like if marvel was coming off of uh you know no way home and you were followed up with this movie i don't think people would be like, oh this movie stunk you know i think but i think just there's a, a a natural apathy that's going on right now with marvel that uh i don't think this movie really helps um so yeah no there's a lot of elements that I, that I I thought were that I thought were okay and I think worked. Um, I thought I, I actually thought that the Modoc thing I don't like the backstory of it. Yeah, but I, I think they like got the, the character right. Like I think just the way he acted was like Modoc. I thought mm-hmm. that was any the way he looked. Like I didn't. It, it was too Power Rangers looky, you know. If that makes any sense, but like. Yeah. If they like when he had just the, the face shield, like I feel they should that should have just been Modoc. That should have been him. I agree with that. I didn't need the the, the cartoon that as well. You know, looking thing. Like I know they wanted to make it funny and humorous, but it just looked, you know, grotesque to a lot of people. I think a lot of yeah. people just and like and in to me, way. like look, like Modoc is a grotesque looking character, but like to me, they yeah. didn't really put much effort in that. Like they literally just superimposed uh, the actor who played Darren Cross's face onto this. Yeah, onto the CGI thing, and then that was it. Like they didn't do anything too. Like they didn't disfigure him. Remember, like you know, Modoc's face is like disfigured. Like there's a lot. Of, like yeah. it's not just oh he's just a big floating face with a regular man. Like they didn't do any of that. So it's just him, just normal face, just superimposed. It it, it looked like you know somebody who was just working on their MacBook, you know, screwing around doing a, a YouTube you know fan movie could have made this. Like it's very that, strange. Yeah, very that. Awesome. That aspect of it was bad. I, I I agree with you, Kendall. That I think that like to me, hit the way he acted. I don't think it was necessarily as bad. I have an issue with the last acting we'll get to later. But like his like how he acted and like the annoyance of him and like like that is Modoc. Like I feel like the people yeah, who are like com- the people who are like complaining about that. I don't think really maybe understand his character very well. Um, yeah. he is that cringe. He is that like un- unaware. <laughs> like that is who he is. So. So some of these things I'll that may honest. come off as cringe and stuff is actually very, very relatable to what his character was in the comics. I think Marvel, but it, my issue with this movie, it's not, it's not my issue with this movie, but it's just something I'm thinking about now. Like, I feel like Marvel, I feel like this movie, I don't know what it was in terms of like, I feel like they changed stuff. Like they had ideas they, definitely did. they wanted to do. And they were like, well, I think they've always kind of, Obviously, like we've talked about Modoc on this show for years now. Somebody that was still on the board that Marvel hadn't done. You know, they did aim technically with Ant Man three. I mean, uh, Iron Man three, 
uh, wasn't done well, but like aim, you could do them five times and nobody will care that it's the mm-hmm. same group. But like, you know, they did aim. You know, usually Modoc is connected to aim. Uh, they decided to go in a different direction. Um, I think the the stuff with the quantum realm, like I don't know if when Ant Man and the Wasp came out, you know, and they got Janet out and everything, like I don't know if this was always the plan for the quantum realm. You know, like that Kang was gonna be in there, and that she was. Gonna, I think they were like rewriting stuff. I think they, I think they definitely are. To to make it make sense, like oh, yeah. I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw Kendall. I don't know if you saw Kendall. There was a conversation, like I don't know if it was a conversation, but like when James Gunn was doing all these interviews, he one of the we didn't talk about, which I thought was interesting, but we talked about a million things. We couldn't talk about everything he talked about. One of the things he, he one of the kind of slick comments I thought he made. I was a little surprised he made it, considering the relationship he has with Kevin Feige. But he said that what we're doing at DC is way more organized at, than what's happening at Marvel. So I know because I've worked with that team. And wow. It, that was a stinging statement to me. And maybe maybe if he says that five years ago, it's not stinging because we think, oh, well, Marvel's great. Like, who would think that they're not organized? But, like, yeah. where Marvel is now for him to talk about, I don't want to say he said they're unorganized. That's not what he said. But when they ask him about like how they're sequencing these movies and how this is all going to work, he says, "Look, I can assure you that this is more organized than what they are doing at Marvel because I worked over there at Marvel." And I think so. I say that to say I think you're right. I think that uh, they are kind of going along, doing things as they go along. And I don't yes. know if you guys saw as well. There was someone connected the dots on Twitter, and forgive me for not having the person's name off the top of my head, but. There were reshoots that were done for this movie, which we all heard about. Right. And people, you know, they, you know, they take the, you know, the the zoom photo from, you know, five hundred yards out to get, you know, Scott Lang and all these people. And the scenes that were being reshot, we learned, was the scenes that were in that last restaurant where all of them are together, which led right. people to surmise, which I kind of already thought was, was Janet and Scott supposed to stay in the quantum realm at the yeah, end of this movie? Yeah, were they supposed to get out? Yeah. Like, cause. I'll be honest. I mean, we could jump around because this podcast can go do whatever we want here. Like, I thought that that was a bad decision. That goes uh, back I, to Kang booking, right? And it does go back to Kang booking. Like, if if that movie ends with them stuck in the quantum realm, then like it gives say, Kang, yeah, yeah, it gives Kang a real uh, impact and imprint that he's made. That like right. same way Thanos, you know, did the snap. And we right. know, like, yeah, like, he didn't, like, he won, but, like, he didn't, yeah, he got beat up, and, you know, he, he got taken to the brink, but at the end of the day, like, something happened. You know, there was a, there was a fallout from everything that happened with this guy. They at, at the end of the movie, as far as we know, again, they didn't, they teased some stuff, and we'll see how it all ends out, and there, there will be other consequences. But as far as we know, like, there was, there was no real fallout from where we are right now. It's just, I mean, there was a... Yeah, I mean, battle. they played they play this weird game in that last scene where Scott's like, I mean, did he really die? Did we really win? Is this really that over? Was per- that's like they were setting it up. Like, And I think they kind of, they, they probably thought that we all assumed, like, yeah, he's, he's got to be still alive. Like, there's no way. You're not right. going to kill a guy off screen like that and then just, he was just gone. And it's Kang. Yeah. Like, you know, there's eight versions of him out there. Right. Like, right. you know, he'll be back. But they, you got to, like, tell us that explicitly. And I guess they were trying to maybe in the post credit scene, but I, I mean, I think they, I think they kind of did in the post credit scenes. Yeah, they did. Yeah, but like we still don't know where that guy is. Yeah, we don't know. Those, those, yeah, you know? Kang, yeah. yeah, those other kings think that he is dead. 
but right. we don't I really don't know that for that, sure. But I don't believe that either. Like the fact that we don't know explicitly that he's alive is, you know, it's like man, did he get beat? You know, <laughs> it's like man. I yeah, I mean, I thought yeah. that like the the Kang Kang's awesome in this movie. They ran into a very tough decision at the end of this film, where it's like, all right, like Kang has been, you know, we've kind of established him as a beast. Though I, I think one criticism I did see that I think I agree with is one thing Marvel's been doing recently that they kind of I got to get out of is they gotta let these mega villains that they're trying to put over. We gotta see them killing people and ruining things like one of the things that made Thanos so great was that dude pulls up and two pieces Hulk and gets Loki out of here in, in the first two minutes you're like okay this guy is serious and even in flashback scenes where you seen them show up on countries and islands or, or planets rather and you know and then his army goes out killing half of the people on Gomorrah's planet you're like oh this guy means business like too much of this Kang stuff I think it is just like, oh, he did this, and you guys don't know what you're dealing with. The show and, don't tell, man. Yeah, the show don't tell stuff. They got it. They got to get out of that, man. Like and like, look, this movie was a kind of a I say tidy. Some people say really tidy two two hours and four minutes. Because sitting where Marvel's gone, like two hours and four minutes is pretty tidy. So this was a tidy two hours and four minutes. Like another five minutes of seeing Kang doing some absolutely horrendous things, like would have done him a lot of good. Major is so great that you have no doubt that he did those things just because of how like um how cold and calculating he is in his dialogue in this movie. But that was something that I thought was missing. You know, and and, and then the one scene where we actually do start to see, okay, what is his power like? And you see him just evaporating people, you're like, Oh, okay, this guy definitely is not to be messed with. But then he gets run over by a bunch of ants. And although they're they were mega sized monsters essentially. So I, I think that some to some degree we gotta kinda put that in perspective. But like, still, he gets run over by a bunch of ants, and he's you know in a in a two on one fight with Ant Man and the Wasp, no powers. But okay, he's the Kang. I'm thinking he should, maybe should still be able to handle these people, and he can't. Uh, he is human, and that's something that they've mentioned a lot, and they they want to try to emphasize. And perhaps Majors talking about that maybe was kind of to like hint to that scene to say, hey, he is human. So if he doesn't have his equipment, if he doesn't have his uh power, his powers, like he he is beatable. And maybe that's going to be a kind of a, a precursor to like what we'll see in these future movies and eventually Kang Dynasty. But some of that show don't, don't tell, so I thought it was a little bit of a problem for Kang, as great as he was. How did you feel about that aspect, Sham? Yeah, I thought, I, I feel like Kang, um, similar to what you were saying, EJ, I, I feel like they were they were in a tough spot, right? And I, and I said this to to our other brother Henry, who had similar issues with Kang, you know, and and with how how powerful and not powerful he is, he's supposed to be based on how the movie ended, um, and similar conversations with Kendall before as well, where it's like they were put in a tough spot. Okay, so we want Kang to win, but I mean, this is an Ant Man movie, and we want we don't want Ant Man to lose in in his movie and i also was kind of wondering even when i was watching kind of that final sequence i was like gee so is he stuck in a quantum realm again i, I mean i was i was kind of just like uh, okay i mean but all to right def- to defend to defend this booking i'll let you finish but to defend that decision because that is that is a decision i would have made i thought it was, this would have been a lot different because at least here he would have like to me like they would have still I, I had no problem with them stopping king actually 
My problem was, again, there were no consequences for, like, one, Janet going back in there to try to rescue him. I mean, excuse me, uh, Hope going back in there to rescue him. And my thing was, like, hey, like, you see that, you know, that rousing ovation that they got from those, you know, rebel fighters who were excited to see that Kang had been toppled. My thing was, like, yeah, like, maybe it gives Scott some responsibility. Maybe he's the new ruler of the quantum realm. And that in itself, we know, could have a bunch of different ramifications for the quantum realm, for Loki, for a lot of different things. Like, I like I thought that that would have been a fine ending, and it would have been a heroic ending for him. So, okay, he didn't go back, but at least he is. He does have a responsibility now to these people who now need a, a leader. And I also thought that it would have been, it would have continued his story of, like, you know, at the end of the day, all he wants to do is just be with Cassie, and he still can't. Like, and he still can't. Some of it is his own decision, but some of it is also... Uh, the responsibility of trying to be a hero and mm-hmm. i thought that they kind of took away all like consequences and responsibilities for him deciding i'm gonna come in here and fight against a space god by allowing him to be saved by janet and for him to just walk right back out of that portal after it closed like i just that that was my feeling on it because mm-hmm. i was thinking I also mm-hmm. the long-term ramifications Again, I think that there was a, there was a change potentially made because there's just so many things that they could have set up with, you know, the idea that they might be doing the Young Avengers, and if you're doing the Young Avengers with Cassie Lang involved, but then you've got potentially an Iron Lad that is a younger version of Kang that may not be evil necessarily that's on the team, like, that sets up a dynamic, and that still may be a thing, but, like, it doesn't have the same impact because, like, it's not like Scott Lang is stuck in the quantum realm because of Kang. He's just, it's just, you know, a guy that they, that they boxed, you know, for a couple rounds and he, yeah. you know, but they're back, you know. But yeah, we took him out. You shouldn't be too worried about him. Like, it doesn't have that same lasting effect. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I hear you guys. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I, 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 I'm pretty, I mean, I understand. I'm understanding of, of what they, of, of the route they chose to, to go with it. Um, it's not an easy spot to be in, but I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm, I, I, but even so, like, while I'm okay with it, I also agree with you guys in that Kane needs to have, Kane needs to be Kane. You know, like it's, it's hard to watch it, watch it, movie where Kane's the main villain and he's just getting beaten by a bunch of ants or just Ant-Man and other different kind of versions of Ant-Man and Rebel Fighters. You know, it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to like watch that and be like, okay, this is the new Thanos. You know, it's like, and that's what they're trying to set him up as. I know the post-credit scenes are meant to kind of say, no, this is, this is where, this is where we're at. This is what the situation is. But it's just, and this was a, a this was a solid first kind of outing for Kang, even still with all that. But still, I think having him having him definitely show out would have, I think that would have been uh, I think that would have been very impactful. I did like when I mean, of course, he mentioned, you know, uh, you know how many, of course, you know, Janet mentioned how many however many worlds he's destroyed and how she saw how many worlds he's destroyed or timelines he's destroyed. And he mentioned how many different Avengers he's killed already. So he's I, already kind of saying what he's done. Um, I, I don't. But still. The only, so when we talk about the, the, the 
idea of show don't tell there's mm-hmm. always the other aspect of sometimes stuff is good not to show because it creates that image that you create in your own head of that what you could happen and you let an actor tell the story by the way right. he's saying it, 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 it is in some way it is a two-sided street that can be used yes. as a plus as well 100%. 100% right. and i think and i think that marvel probably felt like jonathan majors was a good enough actor that you don't have to show a bunch of flashbacks to him destroying a bunch of worlds to know you believe him hearing what he's yeah. saying right right yes. and i i definitely understand that especially for us watching this movie knowing who Kang the Conqueror is and not needing a five minute exposition on who he is. And but Majors, I, yeah. Go ahead, Tim. I was just gonna say that I do I do wonder if there are a lot of people out there that who maybe aren't as familiar with who Kane Conqueror is. You know, just casual Marvel fans that were like who is this guy? You right. know? Right. <laughs> you know, what what does he do? He's from wait, so he's from the future. What what are his powers? So he gets all his powers from the chair or the suit? You know, like it's <laughs> You know, it's, it's it's a little all over the place, and they yeah. don't show you a bunch. They just tell you all the stuff that he's done. So, you don't know how dangerous he is, and by the end, nothing happens. And that's what and I was gonna say. Know, and you know, and some of these people don't know that he's gonna be the next villain in the next Avengers movie, so they're like, "That's it," you know, like yeah. What and, and that's and to be honest, that's what I was gonna say as to why I think that this didn't like why some of that stuff didn't work with the show don't tell. Because you're right. There's an aspect of it where Majors' forms is so good that you believe everything he's saying. And and, and to, to her credit, the, I, I had some issues, some issues with some of the stuff they did with Janet. But I think Michelle Pfeiffer's performance and her body language and how she spoke about Kane also yeah. did the exact same thing. But you kind of undercut that when he gets beat two-on-one by Ant-Man and the Wasp. And he gets sent into wherever the hell he got sent to. And he gets beat up by a bunch of ants. Like... Like okay, you had me go up until the last act. I like I haven't seen this, but I believe you. And I'm like, I don't know how the hell they're gonna beat this guy. And again, he, a bunch of ads beat him up and wreck his suit. And then therefore, okay, now he's boxing Ant Man and he's beating him up. So all right, well, at least he's beating up Ant Man. But then uh, Wasp comes around. Now Wasp has her full power. She's not like you know compromised anyway. Maybe him being beat up after being trampled by a bunch of ants, his suit being broken, and him being human. Maybe that's enough, and maybe that's fine. But it's just hard to be like, the guy who was bragging like just an hour ago saying, oh, the guy with the hammer that I killed a bunch of times can't beat Ant-Man the Wasp. Like, it's just, that's just a hard thing to swallow when, again, you're you're juxtaposing him with Thanos, and the first time I saw Thanos box, he's boxing Hulk, and he's killing Loki. Like, it's a totally different aspect of, like, me seeing what... When it came down, because we've been hearing about Thanos for a while too, and then when we yeah. saw him, he lived up to those expectations. I can't now. A lot of it, I think, was circumstance, but he, the, Kang didn't live up to the, that billing. That guy who we saw boxing those two did not look, did not sound like the guy that was killing Avengers in multiple timelines. He just didn't. And again, it's a circumstance that didn't help. His suit was destroyed. He didn't have the powers he normally has. But it is what it is. So I think that that was some of the uh, detriment to how they handled that. Um, what did you guys make of how they kind of, and I talked about it briefly, just kind of how the, the they kind of set up the story of Kang. So, um, you know, we know that we understand that Janet was in the quantum realm and 
she thought she was left for dead before she was saved by this guy who then needed a ship and that he said that if you help my ship, I can definitely get you home. And, you know, he said this guy had tech that you'd never seen before, but she was able to help him build his ship. And they, 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 they grow this rapport. I, I kind of like this story. Like, I kind of like this. This felt like a story that I could absolutely have read in a comic book or watched in a cartoon where, like, you know, these two are just, you know, having a rapport, understanding each other, both trying to survive. And, you know, she thinks nothing of this guy being evil. You know, she clearly knows she's powerful, but nothing, you know, nefarious per se. And then it's it's this, you know, this this mind men she has with his uh with his 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 chair, his 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 ship essentially that allows her to learn all the stuff that he did. What did you make kind of just how they established um what the relationship between Janet and Kang was and then kind of where Kang took it from there? And how even though she was able to essentially still destroy his ship, she got him to enough shape with his suit and everything that he was able to just run roughshod over the quantum realm. I mean, I loved it. I thought it was I great. I did too, yeah. I thought it was very well written, very, very cool to see. Great twist with Kang. Great kind of kind of slow drip of information um, with him. Because, I mean, you're kind of wondering, you know, why she's so scared of him. What, and 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 why didn't she mention this before? Um, as well, but it was it was really it was really well done. And of course, Jonathan Majors is he acted that out so well. He acted that out so well from the start, and it's so frightening too. It is it is it's crazy to see how scared she was when she saw what he did. And how his demeanor changed so much and how, I don't know, it just, it just, it's like the story and then just Jonathan Major's performance just spoke volumes of, of just how powerful he was. And that once he gets this suit, he was able to just create this, this, um, this like empire down there. Though I, I did wonder what those, what those men were, were they like, people did he make those people were they people that were following him like, i mean what, i almost assumed that like, they were like entry. robots but i don't know that's what i was thinking too yeah because some of them were like vanishing when they died or something i don't know it was it was yeah. a little uh it wasn't too clear um but i love this i love this backstory i thought mm-hmm. it was great what i liked about it too kind of was i thought that it was crazy to see that like you know she talked about how he needed this this uh this ship that you know like i assumed she fixed the ship what do you mean she did but like i assumed it was fixed um but then like it wasn't fixed but she did enough to his suit that just him being powerful with his suit was all he needed to take over this entire galaxy or whatever you want to call the quantum realm like to me like that spoke volumes in itself was like wow this guy just having his suit was all he needed to just take over all these people that was oh yeah crazy. that yeah and that, that's what i was going to mention I was that helped be like, yeah yeah, when you talk about like not needing all the expedition, like all you have to do is know that, like, yeah, I'm stranded here. All right, I'll just conquer this place and turn this into an empire. Like, obviously, you know, it's, it's believable that he could have done a lot more damage in the open world. Um, yeah, no, I mean, the only concern that I have with King, and I thought Majors did a really good job, but you know, and I'm excited for him as a villain. I think Marvel, you know, doesn't have the best history with villains, but he is. Uh, almost for certainly going to be on the upper echelon of those, you know, of that group of villains. Um, 
this is more of a long-term just puzzle piece thing for Marvel. Uh I I was I, I, I sort of feel like there are elements of this character that I would have liked to have seen in Doctor Doom that like I almost wonder now if it's gonna be a little redundant. Uh, if that makes any sense. I, I, I understand that. You know, like I hear you. yeah. Maybe there's always just naturally going to be some overlap, but like, and it will it'll be in the real world, you know. Uh, and you could probably do some more geopolitical stuff with Doctor Doom, uh, you know, more war games type stuff with Doctor Doom. But, um, you know, yeah. it just just it, like the 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 guy, you know, even like you know the guy who's just ruling over his empire and. Like he said, he's got all these, you know, robotic minions out there doing his bidding and, you know, super smart, you know, has all this super advanced tech and, you know, you kind of don't know what he can do, but he's yeah. super powerful and cold and whatever, kind of Vader-ish. Like, I feel like that's that's how they portrayed King, you know, and that's sort of how I'd envision Doctor Doom would be. Um, so I, I'm curious to see when, if and when we do get Doom. Uh, how will they differentiate him in his portrayal? Um, but but that's not that's not something that uh, you know Marvel seems very much like we're on to the next shot. We're not, we're not worried about we're not worried about five years from now. Uh, we're worried about winning the winning the game tomorrow. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're speak. worried about game yeah, seven. We should be game seven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right now, these guys get it. They got win win every game before they worry about the playoffs. Um. But no, yeah, I, I, I thought Majors was really good. Uh, the backstory I thought was good. You know, I think just I just think there are you know the people who are coming in casually who may not have been as engaged in some of that. I think they you're still gonna like the portrayal, but the backstory you may be a little bit more confused by. Um, and I don't know if they cleaned it up. Like I don't know. If, Nothing that happened in the post credits scene was gonna no gonna like gonna make things easier to understand. Like the like, only oh, thing, the only on. thing that it like I don't say it cleaned it cleaned up anything, but the only thing I think it it, it kind of made you understand why they were why Marvel could be comfortable with, with how they ended things with Kang once you saw the post credits scene. Right, you're like, oh, there's more of them out there. Oh, yeah, there's more <laughs> of them, and these there's uh, there's like it seems like endless numbers of them and now they're all they all are working together and that is definitely a problem um so like and the fact that you know okay even if this guy is the last time you see of him like there are others that may be more powerful than him clearly so it's like this is, could very be tip of the iceberg like it took hell and earth for ant-man and the wasp to defeat this king and this might this you know as to so quote, quote freezer this isn't even his final form you know this this isn't I can't. This is a, a slight critique. It's. I mentioned this to Shamari. I mean, it's just going to be something that people that watch this movie that again aren't. Um. That maybe just like you know, aren't maybe a diehard. Maybe even if you are a diehard, but you watch this movie, you just notice. Like, I think Marvel could have done a better job, and I get it. Like it's an Ant Man, Wasp, and Stature movie. But I think there's just a little bit of over, a little bit too much overlap between the three of them. You know, and between, between not who? just between the Ant Man, Wasp, and Stature. 
All right. Um, and then you throw in Michael Douglas and you, you know take them and you throw in Janet Van Dyne and it's just like Adams. I think that's why you didn't see Hank or Janet have a costume. I think that's yeah. why they were kind of like we don't need five Ant Man. Star there, Star you know? is like essentially Star Wars characters. Yeah, yeah Han Solo and, and Princess Leia. Right. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> old old Han and yeah, Leia. Not, not, not everybody can be Jedi's. Yeah, you know, but like they do a decent job. Like you know, from a like, like obviously Wasp, you know, isn't growing big. You shoot, shooting the, you know, right. the 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 beams and you know she's stature. Flying, she's flying. She's not around. wearing a helmet. Yeah, she's flying around. Obviously, um, so they 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 try their best to add things that to nuance them. I I feel like like with Wasp, like I feel like she shouldn't have the same suit or same similar looking suit. I know it's practical, but uh, I don't know if. I don't know if aesthetically it's it's the right move because I think it just doesn't create this idea that they're all the same. When, like you said, we're really not, but it just looks like that because she's wearing the same costume, just a different color. Um, and the statue's got a similar costume, obviously, and then she's doing the same stuff. Like, it's, a, it's just a problem you're going to run into in an Ant Man movie. <laughs> but, like, I think that that didn't help uh, a little bit, especially the third act because they're all a part of it. Yeah, I I didn't have as much an issue with the redundancy of the Ant Man, the Wasp, and Cassie Lang slash you know stature characters. I guess maybe just because I feel like it's just kind of kind of baked into those characters. Like that's who they are. Like I don't know right. how you really uh, change that or, or fix that. And you know these are essential characters to the Ant Man lore. So um, I, I think the fact that you know we didn't have you know uh, Hank and Janet in you know, Ant-Man and Wasp costumes, I think, you know, some degree, I think, helped with that a little bit. You did mention kind of, like, the Wasp in this movie, and this is an Ant-Man and the Wasp film. In some ways, I don't really feel like it lived up to that billing of being an Ant-Man and the Wasp. It feels very much like either an Ant-Man and Kang film or just an Ant-Man film. Like, she definitely seems to take a little bit of a back seat in this one. In fact, I almost argue maybe he wouldn't say it's Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's Ant-Man and the Wasp, the Janet Van Dyne Wasp. That's kind of leading this film. I, if I talk about things I didn't like, because I talked about a lot of things I did, I, I didn't really love the family discourse that was happening between Hank, Pym, uh, Janet, and Hope. Because it just didn't really seem to make that much sense. Like, they're, like, the fact that they didn't know anything about Janet's time during the quantum realm all these years seemed unbelievable to me. And, now they're in this very highly dangerous situation and she's still not giving them any information. It just felt like there was some like major suspense of disbelief that like at some point, like your husband or your daughter is like, I say, look, I'm not going anywhere until you tell me everything that's going on. I know that these are superheroes. I know that they've been through a lot. So they're kind of used to being flexible and kind of rolling with the punches. But like that thing seems so extreme. Like your mom has been gone for 30, 40 years uh, and, and, and you don't have any answers now you, you're you're essentially your your stepdaughter essentially creates this machine in, to go into the quantum realm because you haven't said anything about it. You say, well, I guess there's nothing that terrible about it. What could be so the harm so harmful? And then she's like, oh, she goes crazy. You got to turn her off, and you still don't have any answer. You get sucked into this quantum realm. Now you don't know what the hell's going on. You saying, all right, don't say anything. Like I don't know. There was the fact that like they couldn't even nail her down to say anything about this seemed ridiculous to me like so, that was uh, the one part I was, I was to watch this, i'm like I, I this is this is hard for me to believe initially i had the same mindset of like 
I don't buy that. Like, you know, you said this. There was and, no they, and they keep drawing it home. It was like, it wasn't like, oh, like they, they said it once and she said drop it and they didn't bring it up again. Like, they kept asking more questions and she kept saying, I'm not telling y'all anything. And it's like, now, like, the only thing I, I, I think by the time you see the end of the movie, you can make the case that, like, well, she didn't want to, like, she can't get in, she couldn't get into any of it because, like, she says, like, yeah, you know, there's a whole other world out there. There's a dictator, and I barely survived. And, but those other people are being in, held in captivity. Like, it may create the hero thing of, like, well, we got to go out there and go, go out there. And, and here's what I'll say. I don't have an issue with her refusing, I think. My issue, yeah. though, is that I just don't think that it's believable. Yeah, once that, you're like, put in that position. That you're, like, like, one, that I think that they would accept that for that long. Before you even got to the quantum realm, and then when you get down there, and now you still don't know what you're doing, and now you're you don't I mean like I obviously they, they trusted that she would help them get through whatever they needed, but now I mean to me it's almost like it needs to know basis now. It's like okay I don't know what happened down here, but now I need to know what's happened because we're all in danger. Like it just didn't like I didn't think that I didn't think that made much sense. That was one of the things I like. It's not too many things I thought that was like I really desperately didn't like, but that was one of them. Like. And, and the fact that they kept bringing the dialogue that was a, around those three to solely that conversation, essentially, all for them just to build up to her eventually telling this story about Kang, which was great, like awesome. I just mentioned that that's one of my favorite parts of this movie. But they, that was such a large part of like the first hour or so of this movie was this back and forth between these three about her not talking about the quantum realm, even though they're in the quantum realm. That that part of it I couldn't deal with. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I didn't mind it as much. Um, um, I, was, I definitely wanted the payoff to be good. Um, so, I mean, I was with the air. I was like, okay, so what is, like, what is this? <laughs> you know, like, what's, what's the deal? Um, I, but it went, when, once I heard the story, I was like, ooh. You know, it, it was like a good story. So I'm like, all right. All right, I, I, I got it. Um, but, yeah, that that didn't bother me quite as much. Um, I, I, think, I think my biggest issues were probably... Um, probably Modoc towards the end, and kind of the whole way through, he was just—he just didn't. I just didn't feel like he needed to be in this movie. He didn't honestly. have to be in the movie. Like I think that, the, that I that I do uh, I can't I, understand. I think, yeah. I think they had a plan. Like they wanted to do Modoc, and they were just like, "Well, there's no other time we're ever we're ever going to be able to do Modoc, so we got to do it now because we're just itching to do Modoc." And they rushed it. They they should just sat yeah. on Modoc for like Iron yeah, Heart. Yeah, they could have sat on Modoc, or they could have added, uh, throw some other good villain in there that they haven't done yet. I mean, there's plenty. Yeah, one hundred percent. So they're already it, bringing Ghost back. Like you might as well yeah, bring Ghost, Ghost back. Like yeah, that, that would have been fine. I would have been fine with that. Uh, it, it didn't have to be Modoc. It particularly like this. It just didn't really work. Um, and I also one thing that our and shout out again to our, young, our younger brother Henry as well who mentioned this to me, and I kind of agree. Um, I thought they could have explained some of Kang's abilities, quote unquote. You know, I know he's like a man from the future, so he uses a lot of technology, and that's his whole thing. Is he, the technology is so advanced, it's like it's magic almost, not like comprehensible. Yeah, he's yeah. too big for our tiny brains to comprehend. Yeah, but it's like even if it's just give me something, some kind of techno babble, something, just something yes. where it's like, oh, you know, whatever, whatever ray he's using, whatever button he's pressing to show him like even even in a flashback like building something something just to better communicate to the audience 
you know, us as like, you know, comic book fans, we know what Kang is doing. But like to like the other person who has not maybe has not interacted with Kang, that'd be like, wait, so what is he doing? <laughs> you know, like, like I, I, I feel like Marvel, I feel like they've sort of rushed Kang in a way that is odd considering like they've got plenty of so time. Big. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's. I don't know. What, what is the rush for there to not be like any unless they just don't want to tell us anything. That's very possible. Like it's not rushed in the sense they just are hiding stuff like they don't want you to know King's backstory because they're saving that for King Dynasty or some other thing or Loki or whatever it is. But like. What like what's stopping them from what was stopping them from doing having a three minute, you know, opening scene like yeah. showing King in his own timeline or showing Kang doing something else someplace else where we get a real clear thing of like, who is this guy? So we know who the villain is from the jump. And we're not asking questions about where do you get his powers? Like, where is he from? Like, who is this guy? We, we just see him and we're all supposed to just believe it. And we got the little flashback thing just to tease that there was a connection to Janet, but that doesn't tell you anything (laughs) who he is. It just tells you that it shows you what the initial interaction of how they know each other. But like, I don't know why they've avoided that because I don't like next time we see him, I don't think we're going to get that. I feel like, I mean, maybe we will, but like, I feel like we've already seen that, but again, I'll leave that. I'll leave, I'll leave that open because there's still plenty of time for them to give us those answers, but I don't know why you wouldn't start there because you heard this movie for the people that are asking those questions, at least they're saying, well, I don't, I don't know who this guy is. I'm just supposed to believe this. You know, I'm supposed to believe that this guy is this, you know, he's from the future and this is what he can do and blah, 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 blah. You know, I don't know. Yeah, there is is some aspect. There is some aspect of this film that is just like, and that's why that's part of the reason why I think there is a disconnect between the critics and the fans. If the if the fan score is to be accepted as uh, canon, if I could get a term and. I think it's close. I don't think... I think that it's a little inflated. I think that there are more fans that really want to say how much they like this. Because there are a lot of fans who do not like this movie. But I think I don't think that it's, you know, 50, 40, 80, whatever the hell it is. I think it's probably somewhere in the 70 range, I would, I would argue, if we did an overall poll of, like, did you like the Kang movie from all fans? But there is an aspect of this movie that's just like, hey, we told you about Kang, and you know who he is. So, like, we don't really got to tell you much. Like, you just know he's a badass, and, like... Will just drip, Loki, drip, didn't, drip. Loki didn't tell us anything either. No, right, exactly. It will just drip, drip, drip this thing until we get to Kang Dynasty. It's the first time they're really trying to do this in this way. So we'll see how this goes. Because this is not going to be the first time I think we'll see Kang. Uh, or second time or third time, I guess. We see Kang until Kang Dynasty. I think we'll, we will definitely, I think we'll, we'll, we know we'll see him in Loki. Uh, I think we'll see him definitely in Loki, maybe in other things before then. And they've kind of hinted that you'll see him a lot. Like they, they, this is not the first time that uh, they, they, they've hinted that. So it, it's, it's a, it's a, it is a weird thing they're trying to do. Um, but yeah, I, 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 yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna ask, do you guys think? Because we talked about, you know, that maybe changing, uh, you know, the ending in terms of them getting out of the quantum realms, Hope and and Scott. Do we think that them? being potential them being there at all in general just just like the entire movie do you think that this this was connected to the end of shang chi where there was a beacon calling for the rings do we think that that was them or somebody was a king oh do we think that was connected to that 
And then number two, if it is connected, was it potentially Scott and, right. and Hope trying to get out? And that they've scrapped that, and now it's going to be something else, or maybe they won't. No, that 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 ever happened. Um, I think it's possible. I think both are possible. I don't know how likely it was that it was Scott and 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 uh, and Hope. I wonder if it could. Uh, I was gonna say I wonder if it was uh, Modok because that's what you know. That's how Modok got sure. them into the quantum realm. Like he he essentially latched onto Cassie's signal, and that's how they brought them there. So. I could see that being something that maybe they, they did. Uh, Kang would have knowledge of all things in all time, pretty much, so he would know that there may be some way to reach to the, the rings and, and, and make a connection there. So I could see that being something that they were trying to establish. I think that they would just let us, they would just make us forget it. I don't think they're going to try to tie it in because I think, I do think, I do think this movie changed in terms of how the movie ended. So um, whether it was Modoc, whether it was Kang, whether it was Cassie and what's the name, I think they're kind of just going to let that be, in my opinion. Um, but I, I don't think that is impossible that that was the case at all. No, I think that's, that's, that's what, possible. What do you guys make of the uh, post credit scenes? Yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go here. So your first post credit scene in uh, in, uh, in Kang, in, excuse me, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. So... We are taken to a place where you don't actually quite know. It looks like it's a place that's outside of time, I guess. And we see various different versions of Kang the Conqueror. And they are essentially talking about, okay, uh, that man, the Conqueror, he has been uh, eliminated. They seem to think that he is dead because of him hitting, being hit into that power core and essentially being sent into oblivion. So they think he's off the board, whether or not he is or not. I have my doubts that he is. And we see versions of Kang that are familiar to some people, or as, as they are called, the Council of Kangs. So uh, it appears that uh, Rama Tut is there. It appears that Amortis uh, is there. Um, so these are these are versions of Kang that have all appeared in the uh, comic books for decades, you know, at this point in time. And... You know, now they say, all right, we can kind of, now that that guy who's the worst, we learned that he's the one, they're the ones that sent him. Because Kang, throughout the movie, talked about how I was sent here essentially to die. I was exiled here. So we kept thinking, who exiled him? Some people thought maybe it was a Fantastic Four. That was not the case. Um, but he was exiled essentially by his <laughs> of course own. course not. Right. Because <laughs> why, why would they make a connection? Why would they to, use the Fantastic Four? <laughs> to, to the Fox properties that we're all clamoring for. Why would they do that? <laughs> It's not 2028. It's like the Lakers <laughs> for a front pick. You ain't seeing them things till 2029. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I mean, yeah. What, what, else, what else can I say? Like, like, so of course it was not the Fantastic Four. It was the the, uh, the Council of Kings. And they're all right now that that guy's gone. He was the worst. We can kind of all do our own thing. And then you see uh, essentially a, an arena of Kings. Uh, all these different. Kings, uh, who are all you know now, I guess happy they can kind of go on and do what they want to do. So that's the first scene. Let's talk about that one first. Uh, Sham, your thoughts on on what this all meant? Seeing that first scene of uh, the Council of Kings. Uh, yeah, that actually talking about reminded me of um, reminded me of the scene in, in uh, the well several scenes in the Rise of Skywalker when they're on Exegol and they have the whole kind of stadium full of like Sith acolytes and they're all cheering and yelling. It's just a lot. It's just a lot of a lot of kings. Um, 
yeah, I, I don't really know what to make of it. It looks like um, there's just a lot. Um, I don't know. Uh, there's got to be some kind of clash at some point. I don't think that other Kang is dead, even though they seem to be assuming that other Kang is dead. And I think we're just going to cl- we're going to get a clash. We're going to get a clash of Kangs um, at some point. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. And I don't think we're going to I think these Kangs or different versions of these Kangs maybe are going to be showing up in different post credit scenes. I don't think we're going to be really seeing or hearing much of them in any kind of main movies until Kang Dynasty, probably. Um, but it's very, definitely very interesting. Um, so I'm very curious to see where things go from here. And what's interesting also, Kendall, is that they all kind of arrived all at once. It seemed like they essentially uh, commenced them. So, again, you had the three major Kangs, Immortus, Ramatat, and Scarlet Centrion, and then all these other Kangs that were in the arena uh, all together, uh, which uh, it's funny. I don't know if you guys have seen. There's like comic book art of essentially that scene that played out. I mean, it's yeah, no, I saw that, cr- yeah. it's crazy that they were able to pull that off um, in the way they did. It, it is quite the marvel, no pun intended, for them to to do. Uh, we didn't see Iron Lad, which is interesting. Iron Lad, uh, considering there's thoughts that we will be seeing a Young Avengers movie at some point. But how how did you feel about how they they set up the uh, future of the Kang dynasty, for lack of a better term? I I thought that was an okay post credit scene. Um, mm, okay, I, th- I thought it was okay. Uh, I, I you know it's a B. You know you can be maybe you say B minus. Um, like it's a post credit scene, so you know I'm not gonna. It's hard, you know. I'm not, you're not gonna give almost any of them an S, just because I, I like it's, it's not that important, but. Um, but I do think that there are opportunities to tease some other stuff. And at the end of the day, I don't know what Marvel has coming down the pipe. You know, I have ideas that may, you know, be good but that haven't been announced yet. Like you said, I mean, I, they may never use Iron Lad. So, like, the idea of teasing Iron Lad would be ridiculous if they're not ever going to use it. So, that's, that's but if you, if, if you do have plans to use them, uh, I think that that would have been more interesting. Um, Obviously, you do had you you would have had to have tied that loose end of what maybe have happened to Kang. I think that that would have been. I, I probably would have been clearer on what happened to him. I know they want to leave that open ended, and they may answer that question in Loki. For all we know, they may answer that question in a, another movie going into Kang Dynasty. They may answer it in the trailers. Kang Dynasty. Who knows what the plan is uh, for the Kang the Conqueror that we saw. Um, but, and I mean, look, I thought it was cool seeing the, you know, like you said, a Ramatut or an Immortus, you know, um, when they, when he mentioned the Council of Kings, you know, like Ramatut was, you know, came to, came to mind in my head where I was like, yeah, I mean, he could, you know, I assumed that he was one of them, you know? Yeah, he was. Yeah. The guy, the Pharaoh looking Kang was. No, Ramatut. I'm just saying like, oh, yeah, when right. They, when they said, oh, like when they right. said, you know, the council, when he said the Council of Kings, you know, or they may yeah. have name dropped them, you know, uh, um, you know, in my head, I'm watching the movie saying, like, oh, I'm assuming we'll see a Ramatut. You know, yeah. I didn't know if we see him in this movie, but, you know, you're thinking uh, that that could be one of them. Um, but, you know, so it is. So, you know, seeing them wasn't like yeah, it wasn't a negative, but it's just like. 
I don't know. I mean, like, even the Young Avengers, I mean, you have the Cassie Lane character. Like, I don't know. Like, this movie, I, I it just makes you wonder, like, what was the, the purpose of this movie? Was the purpose of this movie just to set up Kang? Because that's what it feels like. I mean, you know? I think it was. It's Ant-Man 3. You know, it's the third Ant-Man movie. Right. Uh, well, that's why we I've seen, uh, that's why I've seen a lot of people. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, we didn't even mention, like, you know, if you watch these, if you watch Ant-Man 1 and Ant-Man 2, and Ant-Man 3 is a trilogy, like, the third one, you're going to be like, where's Michael Payne yet? Like, you know, oh, he's like, yeah. where's, where's T.I.? You know, like, what happened to, like, <laughs> you know, we? I'll answer you what happened to T.I. But, like, there's a lot of questions about, you know, where is, like, this shift in the direction? Well, it's because this isn't a sequel to Ant-Man 2, you know? It, it's a it's a prequel to Ant-Man, to, to Avengers King Dynasty, and whatever else we're going to see. And... It's just odd that the, the post credit scenes for Ant Man uh, three had no connection to the Ant Man characters when they're all still alive and they're all still out there. You know, <laughs> no Ant Man will return. No, you know, Cassie Lang will return. I don't know. I uh, you know I feel like the Young Avengers aspect of it could have been really good. You know, I expect we'll see her character again. Um, I expect we'll see her in some sort of capacity connected to those other young characters that they're setting up. The fact that they haven't teased that at all. Um, I don't know. It's just strange. So one thing of house cleaning, uh, house, yeah, I guess house, housekeeping on this scene before we get to the last one. Um, so the dialogue in this scene is essentially them saying, all right, like they defeated the exiled ones, they called them. But, they the fact that they're able to do that means that they kind of now have some understanding of the multiverse. So, uh, and, and the quote from Immortus is, uh, they are regaining touch the multiverse. If we let them, they will take everything we built. So let's stop wasting time. So that is when we see these Kangs from all over the multiverse arrive in this arena. And what is interesting is people who watch the scene remember that the way they appeared um, in terms of how they were transported, essentially. It was essentially the same way that Reed Richards in uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness appeared with the Illuminati when he was transported to uh, to that Illuminati meeting. The same exact animation that they used was what was used for these Kangs appearing out of time. So we know that Kang is supposed to be a descendant of Reed Richards, but there's a clear connection to Reed Richards in that regard and the Fantastic Four in that regard uh, to that. It is small, but it is significant because there's no denying that this is the exact same animation that they used. So that's interesting. Um, I, I think that, uh, again, I, I like the scene probably a little more than uh, Kendall did. I, I thought it was really cool. I enjoyed it as well. Yeah, and I think that I did like this aspect that they feel like there is a like, I talked about how, wow, like, they beat that guy with ants and whatever. But, like, here, these are the, the council saying, hey, it's a problem that they beat him. <laughs> like, like we couldn't beat him, and they did. So, that means we got to, like, we got to, like, get our stuff together. That council was only the three of them. Or maybe it was four, and maybe the conqueror was the one that was exiled. The fact that they feel like this has gotten so crazy that they now got to get all of them to cause havoc, essentially, across the multiverse is going to maybe create some interesting stories moving on, moving forward. I, I like this scene a lot, and I think it's going to uh, create an interesting... It, is the Watcher... Forward. Is the Watcher a real 
character? Yeah. Or is he is he just Oh, oh, you mean like are you talking about like <laughs> in the, the MCU like Right. Does Jeffrey Wright does Jeffrey Wright actually exist or is that just a cartoon? It's a great you question. Know, like because Well, what what if like, season 2 is coming out soon, so we will maybe get I guess hopefully that it, we'll get that answer cuz I'm yeah. like he he's just watching all this and being like whatever. I don't care. I mean <laughs> maybe I mean, technically, technically yeah. I mean, I think that's what we're supposed to assume. Yeah. I mean, how many times we watch that intro where he says the same thing? You know, I am the watch. I am your guide. <laughs> See what goes I must on. Not inter- I must not interfere. Yeah, I must not interfere. Yeah, you know, only time he interfered was when he's like, "Oh no, uh, Ultron getting the Infinity Stones is like that's a little step too far that we're gonna have to do something." But otherwise, he he he, he does not. Yeah, then, yeah. Then he starts boxing. Then he starts boxing. Yeah, that was a <laughs> crazy scene. <laughs> I'm upset that like I'm upset that like as much as like people have complained about like the phase four and the MCU, I'm upset that there's been like this like rehashing of what if like is whack when it was not. What if was like awesome. <laughs> nah, like, that wasn't whack. What if was that was yeah. It. What if, what if was, had there were some episodes that I wasn't as big a fan of, but the right, but like any was, show. Was cool. yeah, yeah, but like overall, like there are some overall, absolute awesome moments in what if, and I refuse to have this um this rechanging of the of the history of what happened in phase four to label what if is whack. Like that is not absolutely, absolutely not the case. Anyway, the last final scene that we saw in the post credit scene involved a familiar figure. Uh, I don't know what, how, what your audience did, but my audience uh, was very excited and cheered when this happened. So we are taking to uh, 1901 Wisconsin, where we see a, a gentleman uh, talking about future technology and it is, of course, is a variant of Kang. And Kang is doing this presentation to these people in this theater. And when we get a shot of the theater, who do we see in the audience? None other than Loki himself and Mobius M. Mobius, played by Owen Wilson. So these are characters, if you've not watched the Loki season one show, I think you should watch. Number one, it arguably the best Disney Plus series that Marvel did. And two... It is extremely tied into anything involving Kang. So if you want to have any more kind of clues or backstory or context for where this story may be going, you should definitely watch season one of Kang. I really, I just, not even that this scene was like crazy. I just really like this scene because like, oh, wow, finally, like Loki actually makes sense and has like stakes and like they're not ignoring this. Like this to me was your precursor to season two of Loki and to have that be done in a movie is actually really neat as a post credit scene. Like that really puts over Loki season two as extremely important. And um I hope that maybe we do get to see more of the ramifications of what happened at the end of season one, where he who remains essentially was uh taken off the board. A, a guy who mentioned how his other various versions of Kang are a lot worse to deal with and now we are dealing with them now. I hope that we continue to see the uh the stakes and the consequences of what happens in Loki affect what's going on with the Kang situation. So I really like this scene as well. I thought these were two post credit scenes that really worked for me, but this one in particular connecting to the Disney Plus show Loki, which they had to do because they had so much to do with Kang. I was happy they did that. Um, I was as well. I thought was, I thought this post credit scene was great as well. Um, I thought this was a good two piece of post credit scenes. You know, so we now we're now I'm in particular I'm looking out for Loki 
season two, which I believe is that's coming. Is that this summer? Is that when Loki? Yes. Okay, yeah. So Loki season two coming this summer. Um, but yeah, we know Kang is should be involved in that. So that's something we shouldn't be waiting too long to see more of Jonathan Majors as Kang or a version of Kang. And that is very exciting. So yeah, this was this was this was another very good one. And and I can't wait to see what happens. Kendall, your thoughts on the post credit scene? Um, yeah, I mean Loki uh Loki is is I mean I thought they had a really good season one. Um seems like we may get an extended look at Jonathan Majors in, in season two, uh, which is interesting. Um, you know, Marvel's obviously has a history of showing you know, scenes from future projects as post-credit scenes. Um, I am, I, this is, this is, uh, not as connected to Loki, but I do, I, I saw a, a report, it was something we may get to next week that Tom Holland might be, it might be being pushed as the, the lead for King Dynasty. And I did see that. And I don't know what the what the shape of that movie is. is. Uh, I, I do like that idea in terms of me feeling better about that movie than I would have. But I will say that just like seeing this movie and there are some theories that maybe this Kang winds up as the Beyonder, you know, that, you know, if, you mm-hmm. know, if the rumors that Majors may be playing the Beyonder are true, right. maybe the guy that we mm-hmm. saw in this That's movie ends up being that guy in Secret Wars. Um I I think Secret Wars could still wind up being really good. Even if I don't know if King Dynasty is gonna wind up being really good. I don't know. This is the you know the way this movie ended up and came out didn't didn't like assure me that that movie's gonna be a slam dunk. Not because of Kang, but just because I mean not because of Jonathan Majors, but just because Marvel's been a little hit or miss. And you know, it's you know, obviously Doctor Strange wasn't the slam dunk that people thought it was going to be, and this movie wasn't the slam dunk that people might have thought it would be. Um, but I am still, I'm still confident that if you told me all the characters, like if you're telling me that Marvel understands where they're at and they're saying, look, we need to make Tom Holland the the face of this next movie, and that that's going to bridge us to like all the like you know the the X Men characters and the you know, the Marvel legacy characters and all that combining into one movie, then I think Marvel's on the right track. So um, I do think that the future of Marvel in this phase is still in pretty good shape. Um, I think that, 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 you know, and I also, when we talk about Loki, I also think Marvel is going to continue to have to lean on its Disney Plus properties, which is not something I think it wants to have to do. Because the movies are the ones that are more profitable. It's the movies are the ones with, in theory, a wider reach. But, like, Secret Invasion comes out, and I think Secret Invasion is going to be a win for Marvel. I'd be very surprised if it wasn't. It's not going to be a super, you know, it's not going to be a 360 Mac McClung dunk, you know, <laughs> uh, because it's 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 going to be on a smaller scale. But it's still going to be, uh, I think, a win. And... I think Loki season two will probably will likely be a win for Marvel. And 
But the fact that Marvel has to continue to go back and say, like, yeah, what what are what have been our best things over the last two years? Throw out Spider Man No Way Home. Like, it's been mostly Disney Plus properties that have been like the slam dunks. Yeah. You know? I agree. And, and, and like, you know, maybe Doctor Strange and maybe Shang-Chi. Yeah, Shang-Chi, I think it was a win for them for Yeah, sure. Shang-Chi like, probably maybe, would say it was definitely a win. But but you know, Doctor Strange is like, you know, was more controversial than it needed to be how they, they expected it to be. You know, so it's like but the WandaVisions and the Falcon Winter Soldiers and the Moon Knights and the Hawkeyes and the, the She-Hulks, like She-Hulk's a little more controversial, but like Miss Marvel, like all these, you know, ended up being, you know, massive successes that like, and so that's why when we talk about Marvel's struggles, it hasn't necessarily translated to the TV stuff. So I think there are a lot of people that saw that post credit scene that were very excited that may not even like that movie, but like, we're like, Oh, Loki. I do like yeah, Loki. a lot of people, yeah, because they they see Tom Hiddleston, they think that he's done. You know, last time they saw him yeah. was in Endgame, and yeah. you know, that Loki ads have been around a lot, but they might not yeah. think that be. They may think that that's a preview or like a you know a, a, a prequel. Like you know, if you don't, if you're not paying attention at all to what they're doing, like you wouldn't know what that Loki show was. Um, so and, and some people just might not have known there was a Loki show on. Like I think that that also right. is there are people. This movie and, made a hundred million in its first weekend. There are people who and the people up that had no idea that Loki is alive after the King and the, the people that the do, Thanos death. Like there's going to be plenty of people because obviously the movie wasn't very popular. Like there are probably plenty of people that watched this movie that didn't like it, but like Loki. So like they're on board, you know, with seeing with yeah. Loki being pushed. You know, they're like, oh well, yeah, Loki. Loki's back. I didn't like this last movie I just watched, but yeah. I'm excited for Loki season two, you know, and that's that's an interesting position for Marvel to be in because I think that they probably would you would have thought that this would have been something to promote Loki season two, you know, use the movie that they would have hoped would have been great to get people to, to watch Loki, when now they're going to need shows like Loki to get people to watch the movies. Very good point. Yeah. So I think this is a good place to do scores for loki i mean excuse me not for loki for ant-man and the wasp quantum mania so i'll go to sham first uh what are you giving a score for uh quantum mania out of 10 i will give quantum mania um uh i'll give it i'll give it an eight out of ten i'll give it an eight out of ten i enjoyed it i i enjoyed the movie I, I, you know, went in expectations relatively low considering all the reviews and whatnot. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it was. It's an Ant-Man movie. I like the other Ant-Man movies. I wasn't expecting Civil War. I wasn't expecting, you know, Endgame or anything crazy like that. And and um, Jonathan Majors, I had fairly high expectations. And, and I would say he exceeded those expectations. He was he is fantastic. Um, and basically everything I've seen him in. So I have very high expectations for him going forward. Um, I thought the story is well done. Some of the com- some of the comedic parts didn't hit quite for me, but overall I enjoyed it. I and that's what I go to movies to just sit back and be able to enjoy what I saw, and I did. So I give it an eight out of ten. Eight out of ten for Sham Kendall. What are you giving Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania? Uh, I'll give Ant Man. Uh, in the Wasp Quantum Mania, a I'll go seven. Uh, I thought this was this was a 
that this was a fine movie. Um, I wouldn't say it was a home run by any means. Uh, I don't think it was a it was a train wreck by any means at all. Um, you know, I don't think that it's that much worse than I don't think it's that much worse than Eternals. I don't think it's that much worse than Thor: Love and Thunder. I don't think it's that much worse than uh, you know. Um, you know, I don't know a lot of movies that we've seen. I don't think I don't think it's that much worse, if if at all, than the last Ant Man movie. Like that movie, kind of. There's not much that I remember from it. Like it kind of just happened. That's the thing about this movie that it'll be a lot more memorable about what happened and how the story unfolded and all that than like the last two Ant Man movies. You know, the movie is very forgettable in terms of some of the plot points because. They don't seem that important. This movie does feel a lot more important, and it will be a lot more important in the grand scheme of Marvel's outlook. Um, so I think that that is a credit. You know, I I don't know. I'm, I'm, I wonder how much of this is Peyton Reed and how much of this is, like, Kevin Feige, you know, writing this movie, you know, uh, and yeah. making this movie because it feels so much different than the first two. But... yeah. Um, but I think it ended up being what it needed to be for Marvel, which was an introduction to Kang. I think that that, uh, I don't know if they needed this to be that. I don't know, if, but I think that they viewed this as an opportunity to give Ant-Man a bigger stage. Um, and so I get it, but uh, sometimes you got Sometimes you have certain characters, you, you, maybe they're being pigeonholed a little bit, but maybe it's for a good reason. You know, maybe Ant-Man just needed a movie where he's fighting Modoc, you know, and that could have been a little darker, that could have been a little edgier, but it still wasn't this, like, world-bending, you know, <laughs> type of movie. Um, but ultimately, it didn't end up being, it wasn't bad, it just uh, maybe didn't live up to the expectations and the hype that I think they wanted They wanted to build, and I, I don't think it did, did a great job of world-building outside of anything related to Kang. It, it you know, we got Cassie Lang, which is cool, but they didn't tease or give us anything to suggest that we're going to see her again. You know, we will, but they didn't. They didn't tell us anything, so we're just going to have to assume that. You know, so uh, I'm curious to see where this movie goes, where the where Marvel goes. But this movie doesn't tell us anything about that, which is a little unfortunate. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if I agree that this didn't do enough world building, considering. I mean, the the, the Council of Kangs by the end talk about that, like, the fact that they're touching the multiverse means we have to up our efforts. So I assume that means we'll have more multiverse stuff happening. We are in the multiverse era. So um, so I don't know. I, I think that that Council of Kangs scene, I think, just does enough to say, okay, we're heading in a direction that's going to involve a lot of people, a lot of Kangs, and a lot of, a lot of, of Avenger characters and non-Avenger characters will probably be affected by what's going on moving forward. I will give this movie a seven and a half, so I'm right in the middle between Kendall and Sham. Uh, I thought this was a good movie that I liked. Uh, I don't think that this was like a great movie by any stretch, and and, I, and I've talked at length about some of the things I didn't like, but I talked about things I did. Um, I thought that the character parallels in Cassie and Scott worked really well. Um, Scott continues to be great casting as Scott Lang. Obviously, uh, 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 Paul Rudd continues to be great casting for Scott Lang. Uh, he. In some, I think he's kind of underrated when you think about the best castings Marvel has done. I mean, he is right up uh, the Paul, the, the, the Scott Lang alley. He, he plays that role perfectly. I think that 
you know, outside of all the stuff that happened in Quantum Run, which was most of this movie, like, they still do very well the Paul Rudd, Scott Lang stuff so well. And, and even those scenes that happened outside of Quantum Run where he was in were so good. Kang is amazing. Uh, excuse me, uh, Jonathan Majors is Kang. Just, again, everything he did was uh, top-notch. His acting performances was, was awesome. Like, and I like to see that, you know, because sometimes you see these Marvel movies and you wonder, are these actors who are in, you know, highly acclaimed movies, highly acclaimed TV shows, like, are they going to give that same effort in, you know, a superhero movie, which, you know, some of these actors kind of scoff at, and, and Jonathan's not doing that, clearly. I mean, he, he, he put in an A1 effort, and in some ways, I think he, I think maybe I would like this movie a lot less had he not been so great. So, I love him in this movie, and, um, and I like the way those post-credit scenes kind of set up moving forward. I like that Loki now um, is important. I think this is the first post-credit scene that like very explicitly like speaks to like a TV show that was on uh, Disney Plus. No, I guess Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness had allusions in the movie, obviously, to stuff that happened in WandaVision. But this is the first time where. They were looking ahead, not necessarily to a movie per se, but actually to a show, which I thought was really cool. And I mentioned how much I love the Council of Kings. There were things I didn't like. I said I, I didn't like. Uh, I thought some of the dialogue uh, with uh, the third act got a little weak. I think that was probably one of the weaker parts of the movie. Modoc's um, motivations for deciding to turn face didn't really make much sense. Uh, Cassie says, "You know, don't be a dick," and he's like, "Okay," and then he decides he's not. He's gonna fight with them. I didn't really understand that. Um, I didn't necessarily. Uh, uh, I, I, it's, the char- the other characters, the, the the rebel fighters that were with them. Some of them didn't. Some people didn't like them. They were okay to me. I thought like William Jackson Harper, who's an excellent actor, was was good in these scenes. In some ways, he still feels like underutilized. Like the fact that this is what they casted him for it feels like you could have found anybody to do, to do that role. And you know. I almost wonder if you could have found him to be someone a little more important. I know people have mentioned Reed Richards. That clearly was not going to happen. But um, but some of this other stuff, I think, maybe could have been tightened up a little bit. Obviously, the CGI in some aspects could have been a lot better. But all in all, I thought it was a pretty fun, entertaining movie. I'm surprised that there's been so much hatred for this movie. I think that it's not terrible at all. Um, so uh, overall, decent effort. Probably wanted to be... A little more, maybe a little underwhelmed, considering this is the first Phase Five movie, and you really wanted Marvel to that home run. And this is not a home run to me. This is probably a single, uh, you know, this is a, a single right to the left side between the shortstop and the third baseman. It's not anything that's gonna blow your mind or be like, oh my god, this is something that I'm gonna, never gonna forget. It's, it's fine. It, it does its job. It does its job moving the story forward. I just hope that this isn't necessarily like a if this, if you do deem this underwhelming, I hope that this isn't a precursor that you know Kang Dynasty is underwhelming because this is written also by Jeff uh, Loveness, who's going to be doing Kang Dynasty, and you don't want to feel like, well, uh, did he write underwhelming script for that as well? You know, I hope that's not the case. I'm not in panic mode. Some people are. I'm not in panic mode yet because of how much I liked a lot of what they established with Kang, and at the end of the day, Kang Dynasty is going to be a big Kang movie. So uh, I still have hope. I'm not going to say that this is a step in the wrong direction. I don't know if it's up in the right direction, but Marvel is moving in a direction. Well, I think it's still predetermined, still undetermined whether or not this is going to be a direction that will be. That, yeah, they, they're definitely moving somewhere. Whether or not it will be someplace, uh, whether it be to Valhalla, whether it be off a cliff, we won't know until we get to Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. So. I think that's a good place to leave it, though. So thank you guys so much for checking out our 
Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania review and recap discussion. Of course, if you enjoyed all these episodes uh, of this podcast, you can catch them on the New Generation Podcast Network. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube New Generation Media. Follow us on social media. We're on Facebook New Generation Media. You can find us on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast. And make sure you also follow us individually as well on social media. You can find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok, Action EJ. Ken Luck, we found on Twitter, New Gen Ken. You can find Shamari on Instagram and Snapchat, MCChan22. That'll do it for now. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. For Kendall, for Shamari, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.